Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. So you can all have a seat. All good morning. So good to be with you this morning. If we haven't, my, my name is Michael, one of the pastors here. Uh, I want to say Bonne Saint-Jean à tout le monde aussi. That's all the French I'm going to say this morning. But uh, really great to just celebrate that together, to be with, uh, to, with one another and just worshiping in this special context that we call home and call our church. And so thanks for being with us. Special just welcome if you're new, joining us for the first time. Uh, today we're wrapping up a series we've been going through over the past few weeks that we've been doing on our Bible. And our prayer as we've gone through this and as we head into the summer, our prayer is that this series uh, has been helping you and will help you to just answer some of your questions, to address maybe some of your assumptions that you have about the Bible. But ultimately our prayer is that it will help you read the Bible more as we head into the summer. And we also helps, hope as well that it helps with conversations that you can have with others about the Bible. Uh, we're really grateful, as Jasmine mentioned earlier and Bethany mentioned, for Olivia, just for sharing uh, with us some of the, the things that she's wrestling with, some of her own questions. We recognize it takes a lot of courage and bravery even to just articulate some of those things that she's not sure of and those things that she, that she was doubting or that she has questions about today. And we really want to be a church that creates room for people to, in a safe place, for people to kind of work those things out, for young adults especially, but for other people to wrestle with questions about the Bible. And one thing we've tried to highlight for you so far in this series in different ways is that the Bible is more than a book. Maybe you heard us use that phrase or you've seen that in the title of this series. And uh, for one thing, uh, the Bible, as we think about it, is not just one book, but the Bible actually, the word Bible even means many books. It's actually made up of many different books and many different kinds of books. Uh, but more than that, it's also not like any other book that you can read. It doesn't work or function like any other book that you can think of. And so if you missed the past, uh, the first two weeks of this series, you can go back, you can listen to those messages on YouTube or on a podcast. But so far we've been exploring, uh, if you're tracking with us, what it means that the words of the Bible are always pointing to an eternal God, that they're always pointing to Jesus, who is himself the eternal word. And at the end of last week's message, Pastor Don touched maybe briefly on the idea that I want to talk about more today, which is that the Bible is the living word that's alive for us today because of the work of the Holy Spirit. That for thousands of years, Christians have believed that every time we read our Bible, God is with us by His Spirit. And He's making these written words come alive for us in fresh and new ways, and He's pointing us to what Jesus is doing and what He's saying. And one day, way this idea is actually expressed in the Bible is to use this image of a lamp. Uh, how the, and this is captured in one of the Psalms. It's from Psalm 119. Maybe you've heard this before. But it says this. It said, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. 
This image of this lamp is used in the Bible to capture how the Holy Spirit makes the words of the Bible come alive for each of us every time we read it. That these words are illuminated by the Holy Spirit. That as we hear God's word, the Spirit, in a sense, shines a light on what God is saying to us. And not only does he illuminate God's words for us, but at the same time, he illuminates our own hearts and minds to receive what God is saying to us as we read the Bible. And in the New Testament, Jesus tells his followers, as he's talking about the Holy Spirit, that after he leaves, the Holy Spirit is the one who will continue to teach and remind us of everything that Jesus said. And if you're taking notes, uh, just as we begin, one principle that kind of captures this idea of how the Holy Spirit is always present as we read is that the Word and Spirit are inseparable. That God's Spirit is always working together with God's Word in a way that illuminates what God is saying to us. And this is really such a beautiful gift to us as we think about what it means to read our Bible, but it's also something that's easy and possible to ignore. I don't know about you, but for years as I was reading the Bible, I had a season of my life where I really really treated the Bible as something that I just went to for knowledge or to to find answers to things, and I ignored how the Spirit was actually making it come alive for me today. And one of the ways that I did this was that I ignored the whole book of the Psalms. Maybe you've never read the Psalms, that's okay, you know, you're just learning what it is, Uh, but for me, I knew at the time what the Psalms were, and if you've never heard of it, the Psalms are uh, a section in the Bible that's a collection of different prayers and poems that the people of Israel used to actually shape their worship and shape their prayers that Christians still use today. But because I missed this about the Bible, and I was kind of close to how the Holy Spirit was working, I wasn't interested in reading the Psalms at all. I just saw them as like these old dead prayers that people kind of, that belong to people who just wrote them long ago and that they're just totally irrelevant for me today. But at the same time, as I was ignoring the Psalms, not reading them at all, I was, I didn't know what to do the fact whenever I was wrestling with things like grief or loss or how to be honest with God when I was angry or when I was sad, which is such a treasure of the Psalms that it points to those things. And it took me so many years to kind of begin to just read the Psalms and to realize that they're actually helping me, because of the Holy Spirit, helping me give words to the things that I couldn't give words to otherwise. That they were helping me actually grow deeper in how I prayed and deeper in my relationship with God. But for so long, I had missed this. And uh, just kind of as a heads up, if the Psalms are new to you, we're actually going to begin our series next week kicking off uh, talking about the Psalms for the summer, so you can look ahead to that. But as you think about that, as you consider maybe this idea of how the Holy Spirit brings the words of the Bible to life, are you open to how he's wanting to do that for you? Are you paying attention to how he's wanting to maybe illuminate an area of your life as you read your Bible that's maybe been closed off from him? Or are you missing out on an important way he's trying to guide you through this season of your life as you read the Bible? One practical way just to begin to learn to do this, if this idea is new for you, is that before you read, as you sit down to read, before you begin, just ask God to guide you as you read. Ask him to just kind of shine his light on anything that he wants to bring to your attention. And then after you read a short short section of the Bible, maybe it's a psalm, maybe it's one of Jesus' parables or stories, that after you do that, or just a section of the letter, that after you do that, you would end with just a short minute of silence. And this is something actually that we, tr- we try to encourage you to do in our e-bulletin. You'll notice that we include some of those steps. Just to give room to begin to pay attention to how the Holy Spirit is guiding you as you read. 
And the good news, really, as you learn to do this, as you learn to read your Bible in a way that's open to how God is speaking, is that because of the Holy Spirit, no matter what level of understanding you have, God always meets you right where you're at. That it doesn't matter if you're just starting out reading your Bible for the first time or if you've been reading it for years. It doesn't matter if I'm reading one part of the Bible, but then you're reading another part or you're reading different parts in different seasons. That God, by His Spirit, meets each of us where we're at. And he makes his words come alive and guides you in different ways at different times. And not only that, but this image of, this, of a lamp captures how as you learn to walk with Jesus and read your Bible, the Spirit actually just doesn't kind of light up everything in the way that we think of light today. But if you think of an image of a lamp that's lit by a candle that you're walking with, he gives you just enough light to allow you to take the next step. He doesn't give complete clarity or all the answers to all your questions that you have about the Bible or what's happening around you, but he gives you just a knife light for you to take the next step forward and for you to keep coming back to the Bible, to coming back to the scriptures as you learn to depend on him and to trust him to keep making these words come to life as he begins to guide and shape new things in you. And so God's Word, as we think about the Word and Spirit, God's Word and Spirit are always working together, and they have been from the very beginning. They were together in the beginning of creation, just as we looked at in week one in Genesis, that God was creating new life. And the Spirit was also there with the Word as the Scriptures were being written and coming together. And the Spirit was there guiding the earliest followers of Jesus as they were writing and reinterpreting the Scriptures in light of Jesus. And now the Spirit is also alive for us today, illuminating God's Word and illuminating our hearts and minds to be open to what He's saying. And so in a moment, we're going to look at a letter from the New Testament that kind of captures a bit of this. But before we do, I want us to just look at a slide that we looked at last week uh, about the, with some facts about the Bible uh, that, again, Pastor Dom shared last week, just to remind us of maybe some of the complexity of this. So you could read, there's 66 books in the Bible split between the Hebrew Bible, otherwise known as the New Testament, and the New Testament... Over 35 authors from different spiritual experiences, different contexts, three con- spread over three continents, Asia, Africa, Europe, and uh, it's written in three different original languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, and over a long, long period of time. And these facts, I think, are a reminder for us not only of the complexity of the Bible and how it came together, but how easy it is for us to take for granted the incredible sacrifices that were made by so many people in being faithful to the work of the Holy Spirit for us to have the Bible in the form that we have today and to have it so accessible for us today. Uh, And there's this moment in the Bible, in one of the New Testament letters, that the Apostle Peter writes that gives us a window into this process a little bit, where we learn that the earliest followers of Jesus in the Bible are already at the time beginning to read and to pass on the Apostle Paul's writings among the churches. So in this letter that the Apostle Peter writes near the end of his life, he's going to reference Paul's writings. And he's going to highlight how Paul's letters are already beginning to be seen as having special authority. And at the same time, he's going to say that there's a group of people who are already taking these writings and disconnecting them from the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Peter says in the letter. It's from 2 Peter. So a second letter that he wrote. uh, 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16. It says this. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, 
which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Wow. Maybe that's the first time hearing that. Uh, and there's a lot going on just in those short, short two sentences, in that short passages, passage, and we'll get to some of that soon. But I want to talk about how amazing it is, just to pause and talk about how amazing it is that Peter not only points to the special authority that's being recognized in Paul's letters, but that in the same breath he can say that they're hard to understand. Anyone want to say amen? Isn't that beautiful? I love that. I love that he says that. It's this throwaway line that can be so easy to miss, but it's so encouraging for us to know that even the Bible acknowledges this about itself, that at times and in different ways it can be hard to understand. And the Apostle Peter, as a good pastor for his church, tells the church that it's okay to recognize this about the Scriptures without it taking away from the authority of the Bible or taking away it of it being the living word or its ability to point us to Jesus. And this is so important, I think, as something that's for us to acknowledge today and to learn to be honest about with ourselves and with other people. That while some parts of the Bible are very clear and straightforward, like the command to not murder or learning to love your neighbor as yourself or you can think of others, that other parts of the Bible are very difficult to interpret and just aren't as clear for us. Maybe you can think of an example of a part of the Bible where you feel this. Uh, but one example that comes to mind for me is uh, how true this is as we're trying to interpret what the Bible says about the topic of the end times. Anybody else feel this? Maybe you've experienced some of this confusion, or you've even seen how the Bible can be used around this topic in a way that's not always helpful and not always encouraging to others. And as you think about this topic, what's clear and what Christians agree on and what that is that Jesus will one day return, but exactly how that happens and in what order and exactly what that will look like, the Bible just doesn't make super clear. And Christians have wrestled over the years with different ways to interpret these things. Uh, and if you come to one of our Bible studies that will, you know, uh, we try to address some of these different topics and give you just different perspectives of how Christians have tried to work these out over the years. But really, it's so important for us as we approach these more difficult parts of the Bible to approach them with real humility, as Olivia said, to, to come really humbly as we look to the Holy Spirit and to how he's guiding us today. Especially when we consider the modern challenge that we face of being, as we approach the Bible, of being thousands of years removed from its time of writing. And when we live in a different place, in a different culture, with things like technology and different Bible translations, and when we come with our own questions that the Bible doesn't always answer, or at least not in the way that we hope or expect it to. But Peter, again, reminds us that it's normal to have questions, to not feel like you need to have all the answers in order to be able to read your Bible. And again, we want to be a church that really creates a safe space for those questions. And one thing that we want to put on your radar this summer uh, to help us to do this is we thought it would help as this series wraps up is to just have a, a learning event on the Bible this summer that will give space really to go deeper, to, to do some other teaching and to ask, give a chance to, maybe for you to ask some questions. And so mark your calendars uh, for July 20th, 7.30 p.m. We'll follow up with some more details. And in the meantime, uh, you'll see on the slide there, you can email questions that you have on the Bible, maybe that have come out of this series, to info at the 180.ca. Uh, and while we won't have time to get all the, your, the answers to all your questions, especially uh, if you ask Pastor Dom a question like, Does my dog, is my dog going to go to heaven? Uh, for some reason, he really doesn't like that question. So you can save that one. 
Uh, but if you ask some other questions that are, you know, that are coming out of this, it'll help us to just prepare for that night and create a good space to learn together. Uh, but at the same time that Peter's highlighting how some of the things in the Bible are hard to understand, he also warns that letting that lack of understanding when you're in that space warns about that leading to ignorance. And you can put the, the passage back up where Peter uh, just warns of that. But he warns just at the end there, which ignorant people, unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Peter warns, actually, of a group of people at the time who, out of ignorance, are taking Paul's letters, he's taking Paul's words, and they're twisting and distorting his words in a way that's actually disconnecting them from the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's causing harm to themselves and to other people. They're this rogue group, almost, that's choosing to interpret Paul's words in a way that's isolated and in disagreement with the teachings of Peter and Paul and the other the apostles, and that's disconnected from Jesus' ways, and that's disconnected from the ways the Holy Spirit is guiding his church. And not only that, but they're using their own interpretations as an excuse to take advantage of other people. And so Peter warns the church to watch out, to not be tempted to follow this group or to, to fall into the same temptation. And while, obviously, this particular group that Peter's addressing doesn't exist today, we're still, I think, tempted to make this same kind of mistake with the Bible. That instead of our lack of understanding and being in that space leading to asking good questions and to wrestling in a way that's humble and in a way that kind of aligns with the work of the Holy Spirit, instead it can lead us to ignorance. One way we can do this is by looking for overly simplistic answers to complex ideas or trying to eliminate maybe any mystery from who God is or from the Bible or by ignoring the complexity of parts of the Bible that Christians have been wrestling with for thousands of years and are still interpreting today. And it can be tempting and so easy to pretend to see everything in the Bible as super black and white while at the same time ignoring maybe some of the, the questions, our own questions that we feel, or to ignore even anybody who questions or challenges our own assumptions that we have. But if we don't learn to really be honest about the complexities of the Bible, the parts that aren't super clear, if we're not humble about how to interpret parts of the Bible and just act like everything's black and white, we're at risk even of losing the next generation. Because once they become young adults, as they're growing up and they go to university, or they get into the real word and they realize that they have questions about the Bible that they're wrestling with that maybe don't align with really simplistic answers or easy answers that they've been given. If they're not given a space then to wrestle and, and work out some of these questions, they can be tempted to walk away, to feel like there's no space for them to actually even uh, articulate some of these things. Another way we can be tempted to twist the words of the Bible is when we divorce God's word from God's spirit by ignoring one for the sake of the other. And we can really do this at both extremes. We can do this when we give all our attention to the Holy Spirit at the expense of God's Word, or when we give all our attention to God's Word in a way that ignores the Holy Spirit. One way can we confuse the work of the Holy Spirit in a way that ignores God's Word is by picking and choosing for ourselves the parts of the Bible we'll pay attention to and the parts we'll just ignore or interpret however we want. We, trick ourselves, we can trick ourselves into thinking that it's the Holy Spirit then who's guiding this whole process. And we can use that as an excuse to just stick to the parts that work for us, our own interpretations, that we're most comfortable with while ignoring the rest. 
And that's not say, to say for you, you know, if you're just beginning to read your Bible, you're just learning that, and even if you're not, that you need to jump to the most difficult passages of the Bible. That's not what I'm saying, especially if you're just starting out. And in fact, we encourage you not to do that. But there is a difference between starting off with something simple that's helping you to grow and allowing God to speak to you as the Spirit meets you where you're at versus pretending the parts of the Bible that you don't understand or you don't want to kind of have anything to do with, that you just don't like, to pretend that those parts don't exist and just pick and choose what works for you. And one of the modern challenges that we really feel to this problem of seeing uh, as the work of the Holy Spirit as something that overrides God's Word is that it's so easy for us to twist the words of the Bible because we, can, we think we can just interpret it for ourselves. It's this real problem that actually is meant to be such a gift to us and is such a gift, which is that we each have our own Bible to read and to know that God's Spirit is with each one of us as we read on our own time. But this can also so easily get disconnected from the truth that the Holy Spirit guides our own interpretation in a way that always leads us towards other Christians. We can miss that when we really embrace the gift of reading the Bible on our own with the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guides us in a way that we learn from how other Christians have been working out some of these things, and we learn from other wise and trusted voices today. And even more than that, when we become more and more isolated in our reading from other Christians, we can even be tempted to think we can grow and continue to be filled more and more by the Holy Spirit while ignoring the Bible altogether. But I think at the other extreme, we can also be tempted to read the Bible in a way that focuses on the Word while completely ignoring the Spirit. It can be so tempting, and I've experienced this, tempting to read the Bible only in a really academic way or a static way, looking for answers to questions or only going to the Bible to debate doctrine while ignoring how the Spirit is speaking to you and interpreting God's Word for you today. And not only that, but in my experience, when this happens, when reading the Bible really becomes about just looking for answers or winning a debate, it almost always leads to pride or arrogance or giving harsh answers to real and sensitive issues and turning other people away. And it becomes easy to miss the fact that, or forget that when the Holy Spirit is really at work in our lives and in our reading of the Bible, He always makes us more like Jesus. He always is shaping our reading of the Bible in a way that constantly points us to Jesus and reminds us of Jesus' ways and shapes us into His character and how we speak and respond to other people. But if the Spirit is not shaping our reading of the Bible, it leads to kind of a pride or stubbornness or seeing yourself even as a kind of messenger of the truth, but that lacks a growing sense of maturity and love for other people. This week, as I really kind of wrestled with this and thought about this important connection between God's Word and God's Spirit and the danger of ignoring one for the sake of the other, I thought of how there are so many things that we just use and interact with in our daily lives that stop working if one part that's needed to work uh, gets disconnected from the other part, if it gets lost or forgotten or ignored. And one example that I thought of is uh, just of a car without gas. I saw this um, meme a few days ago, or maybe it was a few weeks ago, that I thought I would share, uh, that maybe you've seen. It says there are two types of people in this world. Okay, and you can see the examples of, of one on one side, one on the other. 
There's the one who, just even if you're getting close to that midway point, it's like, oh, I got to get gas. This is, I'm getting nervous about this. Versus being on the other side and you're just constantly on that, with that orange or red light. Like, oh, it's okay. The car is designed to go another 100 kilometers or 200 kilometers or whatever it is. I can get by. And, uh, you know, the idea is that really you're probably one of, one of these people. There's really two types. And uh, that often you're, you're married to one of them and you're the other one. Uh, maybe for you, you can guess which one I am and which one my wife is if you've met either of us before. I'll give you a hint, I'm not on the left. Um, and uh, so I'm just constantly telling, and by the way, she, she let me give me permission to share this. I know pastors are bad, they're always throwing their wives under the bus, but uh, she said I could share this, it's okay, it's a safe place. Um, but I'm always just having to tell her whenever I look at our car, it's always on empty, just to, hey, go fill it before you go somewhere. And then if I have to use the car, I'm the one kind of rushing to fill it before I have to get to somewhere important. But this is really something that's going to be next level, okay? If you kind of relate to my wife, you're one of those people who leave it on empty, this is next level, okay? So pray for me. Uh, but one day, a few years ago, she actually was driving the car and she had ignored the fact that she needed gas for so long. She was on her way to church to lead worship. Uh, we were at the time in Ontario going to church there before we moved back here. And on the way, the car died in the middle of the road. And she was on her way to church. She had all our kids. I wasn't with her, but she had all the kids in the car. And she ended up just being totally stranded on the road because she had ignored the fact that her car actually needs gas to drive. And it was not a fun experience, and she needed somebody to pick her up, and all that sort of thing. And I think in some ways, maybe not in every way, but in some ways, as we think about this connection, I thought of how ignoring the Holy Spirit in our reading of the Bible is almost like ignoring that your car needs gas in order for it to take you anywhere. That if you choose to ignore the Holy Spirit, the Bible just becomes almost like dead weight, or it just becomes something that belongs on display in a showroom or in a museum just for people to look at. It can still be interesting to look at or to talk, fun to talk about or analyze or compare to other things, but when it becomes separated or disconnected from how it's meant to work, it's useless. And not only that, but when you ignore the Holy Spirit or how He makes the words of the Bible come alive, not only will your approach to the Bible stop moving you in the right direction, you won't be able to lead anyone else there either. You'll no longer be someone who others can journey with in a way that points them to Jesus because the signs or the indicators will no longer show that the Holy Spirit is alive and working in you and shaping you to become more like Jesus. As you think about this letter and this warning from Peter, and you think about maybe your own approach to the Bible, how are you doing with this? As you reflect on this, one important just maybe gauge or indicator of how you're doing is to just ask yourself, is my reading of the Bible moving me closer or further away from Jesus? Is it leading me to humility, to ask questions and to look maybe to the wisdom of other trusted voices, to pay attention to how the Holy Spirit is coming alive as I read and how he's pointing me to Jesus? Or is my approach to the Bible all about winning a doctrinal debate or just about looking for all the answers or interpreting the Bible in a way that works for me? Peter gives this, the church this warning not to disconnect or divorce God's written word from the work of the Holy Spirit, not to ignore one for the sake of the other, and to pay attention to how word and spirit work together, that as we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit illuminates our hearts and our minds and leads us closer to Jesus. 
to engage with the Bible in a way that looks to the Holy Spirit, even as we honestly wrestle and learn to ask good questions, to approach with humility in a way that leaves room even for mystery, to see how the Bible is leading us into community with others, and to let the Spirit work through our Bible reading in a way that shapes us to be more like Jesus. So in this series on the Bible, so far we've talked about how the eternal God is always speaking and creating new life in us. We talked about Jesus as the eternal word uh, that the scriptures are always pointing to. And now that the Holy Spirit is the one who was there at the beginning with the word and who now makes the living word come alive for us today, guiding us and helping us to interpret these writings. And I want to kind of end by sharing one last image from the Bible that really captures some of the mystery of how this all comes together. I invite the, the band to kind of work their way up. But as we end with this last passage, here's what it says. It's from the, book of, uh, the letter of Hebrews in the New Testament. Here's what it says. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to, vide, to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Wow, what an image from the Bible. That this is, and it's such a powerful image that really captures, I think, some of the mystery of how God's Word and God's Spirit really come together and work to do something new in us. Uh, now, I don't know about you, especially if you're reading this for the first time, but when I read this, it's really hard sometimes to see this as good news. In fact, it can sound pretty scary, this idea that the Bible is something almost that cuts us open. Like, is that a bad thing? Why is this here in the Bible at all? But this passage really isn't saying that God is trying to sort of hurt us or break us down, or that even that we're meant to use the Bible as some sort of weapon or trump card in our conversations with other people. But the image that should come to mind as you read this is more of an image of a loving surgeon, that God, by his word and spirit, as they work together, he has a way of opening us up and exposing the things in us that are causing us pain or that we're allowing to eat away at us and to leak on other people. It highlights how God has a way of just bringing clarity even to areas of confusion, of realigning your heart and your mind in a way that the Holy Spirit can shine His light, to help you hear again God's voice and remind you how much He loves you, and for His words to come alive in new ways in you as He transforms you to be more like Jesus. But again, the challenge of this image, just like the other one, is that we can choose to be open and available and trust in the work that God wants to do as we read the Bible, or we can choose to be closed to him. That just like with a surgeon, it's easy to be closed to the work that God wants to do, to put off the appointments or run away or keep ourselves covered or hidden from him. But whenever you read your Bible, God's promise is to always be present to you and to guide you by his spirit, but it's up to you to be open to what he wants to do. So in a moment, we're going to sing uh, Waymaker again and sing again about the way that God just always makes a way for us, that he always is speaking to us. But as we sing that, just reflect on maybe how he's inviting you to be more open to that and more open to how he's going to do that as you read the Bible. So let me ask, just as we, before we sing, how is God really asking you to be open to the work he wants to do in you as you commit to reading your Bible? Where in your life have you maybe been closed to the things or the areas that he wants to, in a sense, cut open in order to speak into them once again, in order to bring healing or realignment and transformation. 
And what would it really look like for you to allow his living word to do this work in you in order to make uh, room for the new life that he wants to give you? I'm just going to invite the, the band to sing this song. Why don't we stand together? Maybe just as a sign, if you're comfortable doing this, sometimes we just ask you to do this maybe as a, a symbol of just being open to the new thing God wants to do. As we think of just reading the Bible over the summer, would you just open your hands? And just as we sing Waymaker with your hands open as you sing, just think about how God wants us to be open to the fact that he's this kind of God, to be open to the things that he wants to do in us as we trust not only what he's going to do, in the future, but what he's doing in us now. Sing a song. You are here touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here healing every
the gift of just being able to open that on our own and together and see how it points to you as the eternal living word and Jesus, the things that you want to do in us. Would it just move us as we learn to read it and look at it in a new way, move us to worship you more and more with our lives. God, we thank you that your word and your spirit are always working together in a way that is just, you're always faithful and you're always just doing something new in and through us. And so help us to trust that. God, help us. Would you even give us the courage as we maybe open the Bible for the first time or go back to uh, a passage that you're just drawing us to, to just be open that you are the God who meets us where we're at as we read that you are the God who is always wanting to speak to us because you love us so much. And that you are the God who cuts us open as a loving surgeon in a way that nothing else can to bring healing and transformation to our lives. So God, would you forgive us just for the times that we've just used the Bible or thought of it in ways that don't honor you? But God, we thank you for just the grace to have space to work these things out, to ask questions, and to just learn together. And so God, we just pray that as we just commit to doing this this summer again, that you would go before us by your spirit and that you would guide us. Guide us in a way that just helps us to see how you're working in our families, in our neighborhoods, and in us as a church as well. Thank you. I pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks, everyone. A couple things before you go. Uh, we have a great prayer team who would just love to pray with you in our prayer space if you want to take a minute to do that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, next week, we're starting a new series over the summer, a summer series called Grown Up Prayers, Learning to Pray with the Psalms. Uh, we'll kick that off by taking communion together, so really don't want to miss that. It'd be special to gather here for that next week. That's all for now. Have a great week. Bonne Saint-Jean. Take care.